We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America podcast presented by Twisted Tea. I'm Bill Trochi, senior editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our national college football writer at SportingNews.com. You can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92, and you can follow me at Bill Trochi. And keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and submit a brief review. That would be very helpful for us. And it's time to break down championship weekend, Bill. But uh, you told me, and then Selection Sunday, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that too. We talked a lot about it last night with Brian Driscoll uh, during the Selection Show on Sunday. You will be coaching basketball. Could not get Sharon Moore to fill in for you. Is that is that true? Uh, be Well, Saturday morning, I'm going to have a couple games, so I'll Probably have to be watching Texas, Oklahoma State off the sideline. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's basketball season. I'm co- helping with two teams. We're helping with the St. Catherine boys, seventh grade, and the Pickerington girls, fourth grade. And we, the St. Catherine boys have their first game Saturday morning. And despite my efforts to get it moved around a little bit, those were unsuccessful. Jim Harbaugh can't move the kickoff time for the Big Ten championship game either. So I guess that's how it works. Sharon Moore is undefeated. That's all I know. I mean, it's an interim coach. So I don't know. I don't know if you've got a guy on your staff maybe that could fill in as well as he does. I don't know. but uh... Uh, We do. I have, I have awesome <laughs> assistants. But they uh... – yeah, it, it's 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 that time of year. So it's it's busy every day. We're either coaching basketball or breaking down college football. Sometimes I try to use college football analogies with my fourth grade girls, and they don't play. They don't hit it well. So we <laughs> we, uh, we tried that last weekend. But yeah, I mean, it's, just don't don't be recording in advance of your scouting for for the for your opponents. Just don't do that. Don't <laughs> pay don't pay your your wife Kimberly to go to the game and and film it and bring it back to you. Can you uh, avoid we, that at least? Well, big walnut we may have to do that with, but uh, no, um, no, no, yeah. So, but yeah, I'll be in front of all of these games for the most part. I might miss yeah. like a half of Texas, Oklahoma State, and we'll go from there. But I, if it goes according to how people think it might go, that might not matter. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so I'm going to give you a Trochi trivia. It's going to be, I think I may have even asked you one of these two questions before, but I got slammed with work. I ran out a little time, but I think you'll get them both. But uh, two-part question. In honor of championship weekend, can you name the three Pac-12 teams that have never made the championship game? And can you name the four SEC teams that have never made the SEC championship game? So need a Pac-12 and SEC. All I'm right. leaning. I'm leaning off the camera because. Okay. To- All right. You need to Nobody get a, note- get a yeah. notebook and a pen and, and think about yeah. that. I'm Three distracting you from your picks, which we'll make later. Which I need. I'm, I'm one week away from repeating as champion of the CFB Nation All America Podcast picks. I didn't win the underdog challenge either, but I'm having. I am having my best year of in a while against the spread. So I don't. Good. 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 Let's go. You want to make money, you go to sportingnews.com, you read Bill Bender, and he will lead you in the right direction. All right. Viewer's guide, right? Friday night. It all starts. The final Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas, 8 o'clock on Fox, Oregon versus Washington. Oregon, a nine-and-a-half point favorite. First of all, I can't believe this is the last Pac-12 championship game. It's just really, really weird when we talk about this is the last championship weekend it's going to look like this because of the 12 team playoff it's also only going to look like this because we're only going to have four championship games at least power five which is so weird to think about you and i when we saw this spread initially we were both surprised that it was this high what do you what were your initial thoughts too high i mean I, i think we're forgetting that washington won the game you know just like last year we forgot that utah won the game um Michael Penix, we forgot that he had four touchdown passes in that game and was pretty much brilliant. We forgot that Roma Dunze is still on the field, eight catches, 128 yards, two touchdowns. So, like, I think we're just broadly assuming that Oregon is going to win, and that can be dangerous. I mean, I yeah, I'm picking the Ducks, too. It's kind of how I feel about Ohio State-Michigan last week, where 
and kind of bought into this like groundswell that the Buckeyes were going to win. And then you get into the game and you're like, oh yeah, Michigan's good. And that's kind of how I feel with this game is like, I, I won't be surprised if I sit there Friday night and I'd be like, oh yeah, Washington still has all of these things on offense and, and can compete with Oregon for four quarters. It's going to be a really fun game. Yeah, just to review the first game, I mean, Washington won 36-33. Uh, Oregon outgained Washington by 125 yards, missed a 43-yard field goal in the last play of the game that would have sent it to overtime. Uh, Oregon failed on a fourth and three, up by four with two minutes to go in regulation that would have iced the game, or they could have punted and maybe make Washington go the length of the field. Washington had not scored in a little bit against them, but Michael Penix came through brilliantly with a two-play drive, two plays, 55 yards, whatever, and, and, and gave Washington the lead. And then they, you know, survived the missed field goal attempt at the last play of the game by Oregon. Oregon failed on a fourth and three on the last play of the half, down 22-18. They we're going to get the ball to start the third quarter. They were only down by four. They should have kicked the field goal. They didn't. They ended up losing by three. So there you mentioned, I think, yesterday at some point that, you know, Dan Lanning, did he learn his lessons from this game? And I don't know if he did because Oregon has not had another close game since. USC was sort of close, but not really. Do you expect him maybe to be better in those big moments on Friday night? Well, I mean, you learn from them. I mean, obviously, there was a lot written about that, the uh, the fourth downs in the last game and people defending him and people not defending him. It's exhausting because <laughs> I just – you got to feel the game out, right? Like, I, people were – NFL fans were doing the same thing with Brandon Staley, and, and they're not – there are not too many people in the Brandon Staley camp right now with the Chargers because it's – it's just different. So I like Dan Lanning, though. I like what he's done with this program. You know, we're having preliminary, not so preliminary, I'd say follow-up conversations about who Sporting News Coach of the Year is going to be, and, and Dan Lanning is in those conversations. So, um, yeah, we'll find out. And I, I think both of these coaches have done a fantastic job. And I, I just, of the five, this is probably going to be, I don't know if it'll be the best game, but it will be the most exciting game of the five. I think that's a pretty easy prediction there. Yeah, the first one was awesome. So part of the reason the spread is nine and a half, I went through their common opponents, Bill, mm -hmm. and they are very one-sided in Oregon's favor. Now, I know, obviously, Washington won the, the close head-to-head. -head. Against Stanford, Oregon won by 36, Washington won by nine. Against Utah, Oregon won by 29, Washington won by 7. Against Arizona State, Oregon won by 36, Washington won by 8. Against Oregon State, Oregon won by 24, Washington won by 2. So for much of the season, Oregon has looked better and performed better against common opponents than Washington has. The only one in Washington's advantage out of the seven common opponents they have was USC. They beat them by 10, Oregon beat them by nine. Obviously right. that's a toss up. So um, that's probably one of the bigger factors as to why the spread is nine and a half. The other factor, and I looked this up, Michael Penix. Now QBR, I don't know if you believe in that or not believe in that. It's, it's you know, it's a pretty good measuring stick as to how you're playing, uh, whether or not you, you figure out the number, but, 
in the first six games of the season, Michael Penix hit 88 or above on the QBR rooting, uh, rating in every game. Right. In the six games since, he has not hit 88 once. So huh. it, it matches kind of the eye test that he is. He's tailed off a little bit. Everyone was ready to hand him the Heisman after that terrific rally against Oregon. Uh, but he has not played as well. He's played well, just sim- certainly not as well as he did in the first half of the season. So, yeah, I'm with you. That one is going to be great. It's obviously standalone on Friday night. And uh, just trying to wrap my head around this. This is it. This is there will be no more Pac-12 uh, starting next year. So, all right, Saturday is our next game. Big 12 championship in Dallas, uh, noon, ABC, Texas against Oklahoma State. Texas is a 14-point favorite. Um, Ollie Gordon, right? You got to start with him with Oklahoma State, super running back. Cowboys, there's a couple of stats I dug out. 7-0 and when he runs for 130 yards. 2-3 right. and three when he doesn't. 9-0 and when he scores a touchdown. 0-3 when he doesn't. Thoughts on uh, Texas trying to stop Ollie Gordon. Texas enters the game. First in the Big 12 in rushing defense, not a good sign for the Cowboys. No, and I think, you know, obviously, uh, we'll, we'll see here. I, Oklahoma State has won the last two meetings, so it's a little bit of a dangerous spot in in some ways for Texas here. This is the piece of the puzzle that Buckeye fans need to fall in their way, and, and it's probably also the most difficult piece. So, I mean, for me, you look at last year's game, Texas was up by 10 in the third quarter. They were cruising along. It looked like they were going to win. And then Oklahoma State rallied from a 10-point deficit. Uh, Quinn Ewers threw three interceptions. They struggled holding on to the football. Uh, it, it'll be fun. I think, you know, Oklahoma State's going to go in there with nothing to lose. That We talked about this early in the week, how impossible they are in some ways to predict. So, <laughs> totally. I mean, like... So like it, from it, half to half, BYU was killing them in the first half, and then they they blow them out. They they have right. full get full games where they don't show up. They have full games where they dominate. You're exactly right. So I don't know. I mean, I mean that's why that 14 looks high, but it's definitely going to be very interesting to see uh, how that goes. I, I, I definitely still favor Texas here. They've gotten through the injuries. I think they find a way. I don't know that they they've just been playing very very well the last couple of weeks. You know they're not they're not making too many mistakes. They've survived the Jonathan Brooks injury. Um, yeah, I mean it, it favors them. That spread does freak me out though a little bit. They are in need of style points. Yes. If they yeah. Have, they yeah. have an opportunity to pour it on in the third quarter. They're up ten points. They're not going to sit on it. They are going to try their best to polish their resume in case it becomes a 12 and one Oregon versus 12 and one Texas debate. If it becomes a 12 and one Texas versus 13 and zero, perhaps Florida state, they're going to do their best. That's my feeling. Well, and the other thing, if you look at their defense, since the Oklahoma loss where they allowed 201 rushing yards, they, their rush defense has been amazing. So, you know, they give up 14 yards against Houston. Uh, the only team to rush for more than 100 yards on them was Texas Tech, and Texas won that game by 50. So if Texas shuts down that run, I could see the style points coming because we talked about that at, uh, Oregon versus Texas one that I, I still think is going to come into play if all the favorites win. 
if Texas wins by 50 and Oregon wins like an ugly, I don't think it's going to be an ugly game. You said that last night too. But you know what I mean. If Texas wins by like 50 points in this game, it, it could force a very interesting conversation for the committee because that is a brand. There's no doubt about that. That isn't a brand. That's the brand when it comes to money. Their history is they play down to their opponents more often than they don't. Uh, they certainly didn't do that last week when they blew out Texas Tech. Uh, we'll see if they can, uh, you know, keep this. This team feels different. I think that fourth quarter against Alabama on the road was a turning point, was a milestone for that team. And, uh, you know, they gave up a late drive to Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. Great hats off to Oklahoma for that. Uh, but that that wasn't really a knock on Texas, I don't think. I don't think that's a big, you know, negative mark on their resume. That was a great game. They played well. I mean, that game's always a circus, and it was a circus again this year. Uh, they just came up just a little bit short. So I think – you know, people that worry about uh, Texas is going to Texas. I don't feel that from this team. Um, so we'll see what happens there. All right. So our third game leading in to uh, from the Big 12 championship to the SEC championship in the afternoon. That's a four o'clock game in Atlanta on CBS, Georgia against Alabama. Familiar foes. Georgia is a five and a half point favorite. Uh the common opponents that I went through with um, Georgia Washington, and Alabama. Washington and Oregon, yep. they point they point to Georgia pretty strong. They have four common opponents because they're in different divisions. Uh, all four uh, favor Georgia. Uh, they beat you know they all they they beat them all. But Georgia beat Kentucky by ten more than Alabama did. They beat Tennessee by fourteen more than Alabama did. They beat Ole Miss by twenty one more than Alabama did. And then, of course, Georgia's closest game was Auburn. They won by seven, but we know what happened with Alabama. That Alabama needed a miracle to win by three uh, against against Auburn. So the common opponents point to Georgia. Yeah, and you know, I, I sent my buddies this. I just tweeted this a, a few minutes ago, and then sent it to a couple buddies. I said, "Here's some earth-shattering research for you. Since 2017, Alabama 86 and nine, Georgia 85 and 10." I mean, that's remarkable to me that they are the not just the two best programs in college football, but now separated by one game. For years since I've done this job for us at SN, it's just been Alabama gap. So Georgia has closed that gap. And we keep we talked about this, this conversation last year during halftime of that TCU game, which we talked about on last night's podcast. That wasn't even a game that David Pollock was saying they, they were taking over college football and Saban was kind of sitting there on the set, like with his hands folded, like Dr. Evil. And <laughs> I, I've just gone back to that moment over and over again, because if Alabama wins, that's the moment I'm going to point to. And so they've been thinking about that ever since that. And, you know, getting them back on this stage, I do think this will be the best game of the weekend, not the most exciting, but the best and the best talent, the best programs, the best uh, coaching and, you know, kind of like last week's Ohio State-Michigan game, it would be defined by tension. You know, what if Alabama comes out and puts 14 on them real quick? You know, and, and I've been at these games, these national championship games between these two programs. So it's going to be fun. I, I think for Alabama, they got to get some semblance of a running game going so it's not just Jalen Milrow. And then on the other side, how comfortable does Carson Beck get with those receivers? They've looked really good in the past month, especially with Brock Bowers back. But 
this is an improved Alabama secondary. This would be the best football game of the weekend. Well, so there's two things. Lad McConkey and Bowers missed the Georgia Tech game. Now, the general feeling was if they was playing out if they were playing Alabama, they would have played, but they sat out for the Georgia Tech game. Uh, they were in control of that game. Georgia Tech scored the final 10 points of the game to get it within eight. They were up, Georgia was up 31-13 in the second half. Um, I think Bowers and McConkey will play. I haven't seen anything official. I would be surprised if they didn't. It was kind of a surprise Bowers sat out against Georgia Tech. So maybe they were just saving him. I don't know. We'll see. My question for you is what happened against Auburn for Alabama? Like, I, I find it hard to believe they're looking ahead to Georgia given the stakes in that rivalry and how hyped up it is and everything like that. And the history of all their problems down in Jordan Hare, they were clearly playing an inferior team. Saban has got to be just drilling and drilling and drilling it into their heads that this is not a game you can look ahead. And yet they needed a miracle to pull that out. Right. And they, I mean, it's the Jordan Hare effect in some ways. They just, struggle there and i and like I, I was talking about this last week that when i talk to sec people they they insist that yeah death valley at night's one thing but jordan hare is consistently the most tough toughest place to play and some of it's how the noise swirls in that stadium on the field and you know that's not everything but that's a factor you know and auburn was in pure spoiler mode i don't know that alabama was looking ahead but you know neither team looked great last week but again it's kind of how i felt the week before with Michigan and Ohio state when they were playing Minnesota and uh, Maryland it's like that game. You can just, they won, you know, the fact that you just mentioned like Bowers and McConkie sitting out, they're almost treating that like week 17 or week 18 NFL game. Oh, we got the playoff game next week. We'll sit these guys out. Cause we know we're going to beat Georgia tech anyway. Um, yeah. So it, it just comes down to, and we talked about this last week. You, you look at Jalen Milrow, 70% completion percentage this month, November, averages 6.1 yards per carry. Does he give Georgia those two problems? If he does, Alabama has a chance to win. If he doesn't and they just contain him and he can't get loose and it looks like Texas, they'll lose by 17 points. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's the that's the matchup to watch for sure. So, all right, let's go to the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis. 8 o'clock on Fox, Michigan versus Iowa. Michigan is a 23-point favorite, freshly minted number two in the college football playoff rankings after beating Ohio State last week. The over-under in this game is 35-and-a-half. So Vegas basically sees this as a 29-to-6 game. It was 42-to-3 two years ago. Uh, this game. To me, it's basically going to be three hours of waiting for the handshake between Jim Harbaugh and Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti. Uh, do you see it any differently? <laughs> um, not in the first half. I think Iowa will hang. I mean, I won this game last year, 27-14 at Iowa. And Iowa's a school that, like I was saying, they, they've ruined some Michigan moments in the past. They ruined 2016 by winning at Iowa. They ruined... 1985 in a 12-10 game. That that 12-10 game will be up part of Saturday's telecast. They'll show uh, Houtland's field goal that gave Iowa this 12-10 game. If you're going back 38 years to 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 build Iowa's case, I think, I think you know. <laughs> well, I'm I'm just saying they 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 
Michigan will not take this game for granted. Is that that's the way I'm telling you? And last year's game, McCarthy was 18 to 24, 156 yards and a touchdown. Basically, didn't mess it up because Iowa, you didn't turn it over against Iowa and give them easy fields. Um, Corum, 133 yards. I do think that recipe in Michigan's defense will be a difference maker. There's always the risk for a little bit of an emotional hangover early. I. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that line's about right. I know I was a punching bag, but I'm just saying, like, I know if Michigan loses, they're probably not in. And we discussed that last night. There's too many scenarios where they, they would probably need some help and, and it would be easy to dispose of them because of all the talking points that they've put together for college football in the last month. That way we don't have to talk about that for another month, but on the other end of it, yes. Jim Harbaugh is going to shake hands with Tony Petiti. That will probably be the most read story. And uh, <laughs> the Wolverines will march on to a third straight playoff berth. I, I think that's going to happen. What do you think about playing without Zach Center? You know, that's the one place where they have a ton of depth. It would be like if an Ohio State receiver went down. And you're like, that's ah, bad to lose a Buka, but uh, they got other receivers. And I... And I'm not downplaying what Zinter means to that team. He's obviously an emotional leader, um, but they they did fine without him in terms of moving the football. And and I think they do rely on that interior run a lot. So that that will be highlighted early, no doubt. And they're they're going to have to curb an Iowa pass rush. It's pretty good. I just see big plays early in this defense. And the other injury I was watching, it sounds like Will Johnson will be back. He was the guy shadowing Marvin Harrison, had the big interception. Just don't see Iowa moving the football enough unless Michigan turns the ball over and hands it to him. He's not going to find a Marvin Harrison on the Iowa roster, I don't think. That's that's my prediction after watching <laughs> college football in 2023. Iowa QB, Deacon Hill, 18, uh, sorry, 11 for 28 for 194 yards and an interception last week when they beat Nebraska. Obviously, Iowa's going to run the ball with LaShawn Williams and Caleb Johnson. They I do not think they'll have too much success doing that. Iowa needs Michigan's help, like you said. And I have maintained that Michigan does not help teams. And I looked it up. I've got statistical evidence to back up my theory. Michigan only has seven giveaways for the season which is fourth fewest in the nation, and they are the least penalized team in the nation. So Iowa, they're not, they need help, and they're not going to get it on Saturday night. Yeah, so. plus, plus 14 turnover margin. I mean, it's they're, they're a clean team. They're really good. You know, all this talk the last five weeks has distracted people from the fact that this is a very good football team and one that I, I – I just we've kept it in our bull projections every week, Georgia, Michigan, Georgia, Michigan. And until something changes that, that's what I think is going to happen. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. 
Twisted tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Moving on to the ACC championship game in Charlotte, 8 o'clock ABC, Florida State against Louisville. Florida State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The Cardinals are going to have a lot of fans, possibly in in, uh, Austin, Texas, and maybe some other places, uh, wearing the Cardinal red. This one opened at five-and-a-half. And it was down to two and a half last I checked. I could check again to see if it dropped even further. Basically, everyone's just jumping rooting off. For, rooting for Louisville. <laughs> I mean, isn't it? Say what? They're rooting for Louisville to win, basically. So one of these other contenders I can get, get in. Yeah, I mean, it went it from five like. and a half to two and a half. People are putting all kinds of money on, on uh, Louisville to pull the upset here. Uh, you know, the... Louisville lost to Kentucky last week, and Florida State won at the Swamp. Tate Rodemaker didn't look great. I maintain they they still have the skill guys around him to still win games. Trey Benson, the running back, he scored nine touchdowns in his last five games. They've got Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman. Uh, that's probably as good of a combination at receivers you're going to get outside of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, the defense has not given up more than 20 points in any of their last eight games which is difficult to do in uh, college football in 2023. They haven't given up 30 in any game this season. Louisville's given up 34 times this year, including the last two weeks against Miami and Kentucky. Um, You know, Kentucky beat Louisville 38-31. Cardinals, they had more total yards, but just got outplayed in the fourth quarter, which was out of character for this team. They've been really good in the second half. Uh, they were good in the second half against Georgia Tech. They were good against Notre Dame. They were good against Miami. Came from behind. Uh, but for whatever reason, they they did not play well in the fourth quarter against Kentucky. I don't know. I like Florida State. And this one, we'll do our picks in a second. Um, but what what are your thoughts on the ACC championship game? Uh, you know, I think definitely that Louisville could win this game. That They're third in the ACC in points per game. They have two running backs averaging six yards per carry. The, the key stat here is turnovers. It's so simple. Like in their two losses, they had three turnovers. That's what happened last week. Minus five turnover ratio in those games. So if they turn the ball over and just give it to Florida State, the Seminoles will find a way to, to eke out an ugly win. And I don't think that's what the committee wants privately. If you gave them truth serum, one of those needles, it's like, tell the truth. Um, they would say they don't want Florida State in the playoff. They would. They want, because, they want it clean. They don't want to have to make a decision. If they we don't defeated teams all win. They're off the hook, baby. They they're they're good. The needle and say, do you want Florida State and Texas in the playoff? I know the answer. I want <laughs> Texas? They want those eyeballs. They want that money. They want Quinn Ewers. You know, I mean, if Quinn Ewers goes down, they get Arch Manning. 
Florida State's not Cincinnati or something, though. Florida State's still Florida State. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not a group of five. I understand that, but I don't think people want to watch Tate Rodemaker try to beat Georgia because it's not going to happen. Um, so I mean, yeah, but I, and that's disrespecting what Florida state has done. They've had a great season right off the shoot beating LSU. Um, and it's unfortunate that, that Jordan Travis injury was unfortunate, but I do think they're going to gut out and find a way to win an ugly one and make the committee make some weird decisions. So, you know, I've already told you, we'll, we'll get into the spread part of it. I think all five favorites win straight up. Now spread will be different. So if all five, all five teams win, like I think it's going to happen. We talked about that that scenario last night. It's basically going to come down to Oregon or Texas for that final spot. Or you've got, two, you've got Georgia winning, you Michigan got, and Florida State. So or or two of three out of Oregon, Texas, Florida State, like Michigan, Georgia. That's done. One and two. Um, they got to pick two or three out of that other one. And one thing I learned when I did that college football playoff mock exercise a couple of years ago, people need to know this part. When they vote for teams, hmm. they never do a head-to-head vote. They never do a head-to-head. They have to have at least three teams when they do like a vote to block on a – so it's like they'll pick one, two, three, and they'll vote, and then it'll be one, two, and then they'll say, okay, we're going to re-vote on three, four, five. So they clump those. That could be the last vote is they take this committee and they'll say, stack up Georgia, Texas, and uh, Florida State. Boom. And then they can ask for a reboot vote. Are you sure this is what we want? Boom. They vote again. Are you sure? And then it's going to spit out three teams. And I think it'll spit out Florida State and Oregon. That broadcast is going to be fascinating because it's going to be a challenge for the announcers to – Focus on the game versus focusing on the selection process. I would watch the the last 10. I would watch them pick the four teams part. I wouldn't watch 25 through five, but I would watch the committee argue about the top four. I would actually watch that. Yeah, no, that would be fascinating. So hopefully that, yeah, that Florida State game matters. Hopefully it's close. There's some drama and it could be really fun, but also... We feel like if the four undefeated teams remain undefeated, there's no drama. Right. We, we just move on, and uh, that'll be that. So, all right, let's do our confidence contest. I went two and three last week. You went two and three last week. But I got seven points. I got my four and my three. You got five points. You got your three and your two. Season tally, Trochi, 95, Bender, 87. It's going to take – a miracle comeback. It's fourth and thirty-one, Bill. It's not quite fourth and thirty-one. I think you're you're you you got a chance uh, to do better than that. But we'll we'll make our five picks against the spread these five games, and uh, we will um, we order them one to five. Five points for our most confident, and one point for our few least confident. And we will go through. And I may be able to lock it up here. Who knows? I did not look at your. Uh, Mm-hmm. I did not look at your your published picks when I made my picks, although I remembered that you had Oregon winning but not covering. Right. But that's the only pick I remembered that you had made uh, from Monday. So I, I tried not to, you know, mm-hmm. to cheat in a contest or anything like that. So, all right, give me your five pointer uh, from Championship Weekend. Georgia minus six, might as well. I mean, I, if they're going to win, they're going to win by a touchdown. I think. 
So I'll, I'll take the Bulldogs. If I miss that one, I'll just. It might if, be five and a half. You might. If I it's might. five and a half, that's even better. But I I'm taking. I always, I always try to help you out, Bill. And, uh, and I'm on BetQL. I read BetQL. It is. We're going to go. Yeah, five and a half. That's fine, too. What so are, what you are you going off of? Extra. Uh, BetMGM. Okay. I was going off Caesars. So I'll take the minus five and a half. That's fine. Okay. All right. Uh, my five pointer is. See what I put down. Michigan, 23. I think there's no chance Iowa does anything. Michigan's going to roll through. Like I've said, they don't help you. They are a machine. Poor Iowa. I mean, it's going to be, I, I see 42 to three again. You know, I'm not even going to sweat this one. So I'm taking Michigan minus 23. I think I put a stat out there that Michigan against the Big Ten West that we love to make the the punching bag that is the Big Ten West this year. They're outscoring those teams. They outscored those teams, I think. I don't have it. I thought I put that in my prediction. It's, oh, no, 138 to 30 <laughs> against Big Ten West in three games. So yep. if you divide that by three, you get 46 to 10. And it could very easily be 46 to 10 on Saturday night. Uh, my four is going to be Washington. I'm going to take them to cover. How many am I getting? Am I getting nine and a half or am I getting nine? If I'm getting nine and a half, I'm definitely taking it. I think that's a touchdown game either way. I still think Washington's fully capable of pulling the upset outright. And uh, I'm going to go with the Huskies for my four. Nine I mean, Oregon, Oregon's getting, really good. I'll take the nine and a half. You're getting nine and a half. Uh, my four, I'm taking Georgia minus five and a half like you did. Um, I feel good about their ability to stop, to contain Milrow. I, I didn't like how Alabama looked. Auburn ran all over them. Beck has looked super solid. I just, they're like, they remind me of Michigan, really. I mean, not just because they're undefeated and at the top, but they really, they've got the pieces. They got the rock solid quarterback. He's not a Heisman guy, but he makes good decisions. He doesn't turn the ball over. They don't hurt themselves. I think Kirby's really grown as a coach. And I don't think he'll freeze up in a big game. Remember that fake punt he had in a in a Georgia Alabama SEC championship game? He's not going to make a mistake like that again and help out Nick Saban. So yeah, I think they cover. They they should win by a touchdown. I, I like the five and a half there. Yep. It's not a bad pick. So I don't know if I'm going to make up eight points at this rate. Um, <laughs> Oklahoma State's my three plus fourteen. I don't like love it, but I think they they can. That Big 12 game has been exciting the last couple of years. You know, TCU, Kansas State was great. Oklahoma State, Baylor, remember the goal line tackle. It's produced some good games. And I think Texas will win the football game straight up. But I think I could see them winning by like 10. You know, like I don't know that this is a blowout spot. I can't predict Oklahoma State. Or probably, the, the, but I'm just, I said this on Sirius Radio yesterday with Bobby and Hester. Um if Gundy goes out this year, beating Oklahoma in the last bedlam, and then sending Texas out the door in the Big 12 championship game, he he'll be Oklahoma State's coach till he dies. Like there'll be no more flirting with the he'll they'll give him a lifetime contract. So <laughs> um yeah, I, I think that that they cover in this one, but the Longhorns win. And a, another potential fun championship trophy uh yes. presentation, Big 12 for sure. That'll be that'll be pretty funny after Texas. Tried to pay back Brett Yormark on the scoreboard in uh, in Austin last weekend. It was pretty funny. So my three, I'm taking Florida State. 
I've maintained that uh, that I like their team, and now it's under a field goal, which seems even better to me. Um, respect to Louisville. They've been good, but I just think Florida State's got too much talent on the edges, and their defense is playing really well. So I think they cover just, just a field goal. That's all they have to do. So Florida State minus two and a half is my three. Uh, I'm going to go Michigan two. You know, we don't have, we brought out all those stats. I think the Wolverines take care of business. I don't love it because it's a ton of points against a a good defense. And I could also see Michigan just kind of reining it in and winning 27 to 10. I don't know. But I mean, the last time, I think the emotion of Harbaugh being back, coming off the win, they've proven the last two years that they, they can emotionally handle beating Ohio State, turn around, win the next one. And I think that's what they're going to do again. And, you know, it's going to be for an awkward moment, but <laughs> there's nothing awkward about that football team right now with McCarthy and Corum and the leaders they have. That's a really good football team. They they press on and win again. All right. My two is Oklahoma State. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I don't love predicting Oklahoma State. They're very unpredictable. But um, 14 is a lot. I mean, Texas would have to win by three scores. Now, I know they're motivated to to do the style points and everything like that. But it's when teams enter a game trying to get style points, sometimes it's difficult to get rolling. And, you know, if Oklahoma State can somehow establish the run, it's going to be hard. But if they do, it, and now Texas starts to panic a little bit, like we need to win by 20, we need to win by 20, and then maybe they make a mistake and uh, the game stays close. I do think Texas wins, but I'm going to take Oklahoma State at least keeping it at 14. It, and that ought to be a good game. So my one, I'm going to go. I don't. I think we agreed on all five because I got Florida State covering in a really tight one. Um, I think Florida State beats Louisville. They cover. I'm willing to, I guess, concede the contest. I don't think I can win now. But I, I think the fact that we're in agreement on all these shows that maybe we'll, I bet one of them will will miss. We'll both miss pretty badly. You know, like, like what I mean, like that one surprise, maybe it's this one, maybe it's Louisville just comes in and blows them out or something. So I think Florida State wins. I think Florida State gets in the playoff. I think people don't like it <laughs> and they'll have to deal with it. And then that'll be one of the talking points Sunday is this is why we need a 12 team playoffs because Texas is sitting home and then don't lose to Oklahoma, man. Like if all four teams go undefeated, that's the cleanest playoff you can possibly have. There's no other than if the best you can do is a Jordan Travis argument, this system still works. Right, right. Actually, we do have one different. I'm taking Oregon minus nine and a half at the one spot. Um, I think I just that those numbers convinced me in my research that Penix is not the same quarterback he was earlier in the year. Not quite the same. And Knicks is playing great. I loved what I saw of him, out of him against Oregon State. That was a big game. That was a look-ahead situation for them. They knew they were favored. They played great. He played great. And I think they can run away with this one. I felt like Oregon was going to win the rematch for a month or so. Nothing I've seen has really changed my mind. Nine and a half was <laughs> a little high when I first saw it, of course. Um, but I do think they can stretch it out and cover. So 
you've got your most confident pick is Georgia to cover. Then you've got Washington getting the nine and a half. Oklahoma State getting the 14 in Dallas. Michigan minus 23 and Florida State minus two and a half. I've got pretty much all the same. Michigan, different order. Michigan 23 is my most confident. Georgia minus five and a half. Florida State minus two and a half. Oklahoma State plus 14. And then I'm taking the Ducks at nine and a half. Uh, There may be a combination where you can, because we have different levels of, of points you know if yeah, i may, may be able to make it close if if washington wins um if, if or iowa wins for example you only lose two points off i lose five so we'll, we'll see, see how, how it, i bet it's tight at the end yeah. if washington can cover so yeah we'll know friday night where we stand for sure so cool. that was good all right trochi trivia can you name the three pac-12 schools that never made the pac-12 championship rest in peace and then the four SEC schools that never made the, the SEC team. I'll start with the Pac-12. I guess I can name all seven. So I should get one point back before. This is like the uh, millionaire moment where I know all the answers already. Um, <laughs> so Wazoo and Oregon State haven't. So they that's why they're going. They can go play in their own championship soon. That's that would be great. Yep. Pac-2. Cal is the and other Cal. one. And Correct. they were close with some Aaron Rodgers. Like I think when no, Aaron Rodgers would have been before that. But – Cal is the other one. Yep. And the SEC, I literally got the pencil out and started crossing teams off because I feel like this would have been an easy one to miss if you didn't actually list all 14 teams. Um, in the East, it's Kentucky and Vandy. Um, the Wildcats have never made it in Vandy. I mean, sorry, Bill, but yeah, <laughs> Vandy's never made that. I, I'm sure you'll be there if they do. Um, A&M has never been there. And... The last one is Ole Miss because yeah. I think Mississippi State went. Can't they, remember they, the, played, they played Peyton Manning late late nineties. So that yep. would have been is that their only one ninety eight. Yes. So there you go. There's your seven. Um, the one I was waffling on a little bit, and and then I I can't remember the years, but I'm I'm sure UCLA been in the Pac twelve championship game, right? Like yeah. I, we didn't miss that one. Like they, they've actually, I'm trying to picture a UCLA team in that game. They must have played Oregon at some point. Did they play Colorado? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember UCLA. Colorado, Arizona and UCLA. I think only have like one appearance or something like that. Well, I remember the two Arizona schools getting in the game because Rich Rod did one year and I know Arizona state had kind of a, a lightning bolt year. And uh, I have to go look up those. Use. I just assumed UCLA made it. So that was kind of like the only guess of the bunch. I'll go back and look and see when they made it. Well done. Well done. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the CFP Nation All-America podcast brought to you by Twisted Tea on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you to Irish Breakdown, your source for Notre Dame football information. We will be back on Selection Sunday when the field is set. Sunday afternoon, we'll do another live show on our YouTube channel with Brian. Those have been fun uh, for the past month, and we'll have one more to discuss the field and, and how it shook out. Really, it's it's an exciting uh, weekend. That we really don't know what direction it's going to take. It could be no drama. It could be tons of drama on Sunday. We really don't know. So it should be a really, really fun weekend. And then after our Selection Sunday show, we'll start our December shows. We'll talk Heisman, bowl season, transfer portal, early signing period, whatever we want to talk about as we wait for the CFP semifinals. 
So enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you soon. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.